This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome back to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Now, whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. If you've just joined us for the very first time, a massive welcome. Congratulations on starting your investing journey. If you feel like you need to get up to speed, you can check out our Get Started Investing podcast that'll get you from zero to feeling confident to getting into the markets. Now, uh, my name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Big, big show today. Yeah. One of the biggest guests in Equity Mates history is on the show. No, it's not my mentor, Andrew Page, who I speak to. And no, it's not community member Donna, who we have a chat to. I would say the biggest guest in Equity Mates history, not one of. I don't want to offend Malcolm Turnbull or anyone like- Bigger than Malcolm Turnbull. I don't want to offend Warren Buffett. Haven't had him on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to offend- I don't care what name you throw out. This is by far and away the biggest guest- Specky McGee. That Equity Mates (laughs) media has ever had. And it is, uh, it is really exciting. And the best news is we didn't do any of the work. That's it. We did none of the work. It is a massive shout out to the girls over at You're In Good Company, Maddie and Sophie, who got Kathy Wood on their show. Now, we are really proud and excited for the girls who managed to get, felt like about an hour and a half of Kathy's time by the time uh, by the time they hung up and, and we were lucky enough to be able to get a, a couple of clips from the interview that we'll share today. And if you want to hear the full interview, it will be released on your In Good Company's podcast feed tomorrow. And importantly, if you don't know who Kathy Wood is, uh, she's the founder and chief investment officer of ARK Invest, uh, one of the most notable investment firms, I guess, in the world, mm. uh, really because of their ultra bullish take on new technology. So everything from electric vehicles to Bitcoin to gene editing and everything in between, ARC are investing in a lot of those themes. So a fascinating conversation about a lot of new and emerging technology. Yeah. So huge interview. Uh, Make sure you go and check it out on You're In Good Company. 
Now, before that, though, we do have one of the second biggest guests ever on the show, which is your mentor, Ren, Andrew Page. Mm. Now, we've uh, had some great engagement with uh, the Mentored series uh, from the community. And uh, last week, we spoke about Donna, who reached out, Ren, and was really interested in the evaluation formula that you and Andrew had spoken about, but not actually, I guess, demonstrated in detail yeah. uh, on the show. So we gave her a call. You had some questions about the work that I've been doing with Andrew Page on the valuation stuff? Yes, that's right. Well, it was from the episode that Alec brings two interesting stocks and on that you guys were talking about Ordinate and Net Worth. Yep. And Andrew Page went through a formula um, for valuations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I tried to do it myself, but I wasn't really following. So I was just wondering if you guys could do a run-through of it. Okay, great. Yeah, well, actually, I've got great news. Um, we did, Andrew and I did that for net wealth. Uh, we went end-to-end and, well, I had a crack at it and he pulled it apart and told me what I did well and what I did wrong. Awesome. While we've got you, how uh, how is... How are you finding your investing journey or do you have any other questions? I'm finding it really good. I've been um, doing it for about three hours, three hours, three years um, full on. So learn heaps, absolutely learn heaps. Yeah. I was just going to say, am I talking to Ren, am I? You are, yes. yeah. Bryce is here as well. I'm just, Donna, not, I'm here. I'm, I'm just not letting him get a word in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let me say, Ren, most important, the, the biggest pull of your show is your laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, all I can say is that there's a groundswell of support coming for uh, Andrew Page and my mentor. Yeah, episode. you better deliver. He might bump you from the show you at some You better point. deliver. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy with that. I can sit back. <laughs> so, Bryce, my homework was to do that worked example and here's my conversation with Andrew. No pressure. So, let's uh, talk about valuation because th- this is definitely one thing that I really want to focus on uh, just getting better at and uh, working on sort of I guess alternative ways to value a company rather than like a full discounted cash flow and stuff like that. And last time we spoke, you gave a pretty simple valuation framework that we can sort of do on the back of a napkin. Um, And it it essentially has three key steps. The first step is collect the data on the company today. The second one is then uh, look forward how you think the business will go and project its profit in the years ahead. And that might also require looking at its sales, its revenue, and then what will happen to its margin. But what you really want to figure out is the profit that the business will be making in the future. The third step is then consider what multiple the market would give it, the price to earnings multiple that the market will give it in five, 10 years, however much you're looking. And then from that, you sort of have a rough idea of what the market cap and the share price will be. And then you compare that to what it is today and you say, is that a return I want? Is that is that going to cross my threshold? You nailed it. And well, that got, uh, we got a lot of emails, contacted equitymates.com, uh, people were reaching out and saying they were interested in the formula and um, they were asking for, I guess, some worked examples. So 
Um, yeah. Uh, we spoke about two companies last time, NetWealth and Ordinate. And I've uh, pulled some numbers and tried to do some very rough worked examples. So, well, there's no wrong answers, right? I, I mean, well, you don't know my, you don't know how I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if your assumptions are right, it will be true, right. True, true. I guess. Well, yeah. Tell me if the the methodology uh, is right. Okay. The interesting thing here was net wealth was profitable or is profitable, uh, and ordinate is not profitable. Uh, it becomes a lot easier when the company's profitable and has been profitable for a number of years to sort of just project that forward. Um, so we'll start with net wealth. Uh, so first step, what does the company look like today? Uh, $13.18 a share. Uh, earnings per share, so profit per share, 23 cents. That gives it a price to earnings ratio of 57. So pretty expensive. Well, potentially. Got to be careful not to prejudge, right? Yeah, okay, okay. Five years ago, 2017, its earnings per share was six cents. And so that gives us, that shows us why it's got such a high price to earnings. It's because it's growing quickly. The compound average growth rate over the past five years, 31%. Is that in per, earnings per share? Earnings per share. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, so that's, that's the sort of the basic information that we start with. Then step two and... I've just tried to keep this simple. I haven't gone into the company and tried to figure out what I think the business will do and how much it will grow. Now, the whole, the whole point of this approach is to keep it simple. So, yeah, don't apologize for that. Okay, great. Well, I won't then. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've said over the last five years, it grew at an average of 31% a year. So, for the next five years, let's say it also does that. 31% a year for the next five years takes 23 cents earnings per share and makes it 89 cents earnings per share. So if you just say the price to earnings ratio will be the same, the market will be willing to pay the same multiple that it is today, 57, then on 89 cents earnings, that gives you $50.73. Your return is the same as the earnings growth. Yes. Yes. Pretty good. You'd take that. Yep. <laughs> but let, yeah, great. Fantastic. But let's be honest, five years from now, the growth you know, might be slowing a bit. The market might be a little bit more mature. Net wealth as a key disruptor might become the disrupted. And the market might not be willing to pay 57 price to earnings ratio. So I said more realistically 25. That feels like you know, a more mature uh, – for a more mature business, that feels like a more realistic multiple. And so that – on 89 cents earnings per share at a 25 price to earnings ratio, that gives me $22.25. So today, $13.18 a share in five years, $22.25, which means I'm getting an 11% a year return for the next five years. Perfect. So the thing I think to frame this up better is that and I used the term before scenario testing too often with valuation, people just want to settle on a figure and say, this is what it is. The, the intrinsic value is X. And I think that you're right. If all your assumptions are right, you know, but again, you, you need to have a bit of humility here. I think as an investor, because you know, the best and brightest in the world continually get forecasts mm. wrong. Right. But why it's valuable is that now you know what needs to happen to get your double digit return. You know, going into this thing, it's like this investment makes sense if A, earnings compound at the same rate that they have historically, and B, the PE doesn't get below 25. The question is, is that an unreasonable assumption? Well, what have you done? You've taken the, you haven't just plucked a number out of thin air. It's like, I've just extrapolated, as a starting point, I'm just extrapolating the last five years. 
early early company potential to do that still small 30% growth is possible for companies of that of that magnitude well that's where i want to go next because i, I actually think you know 31% is it's a big number and it's a number that a lot of companies don't achieve let alone sustain as they grow and so then i said 31% for the next 5 years feels unrealistic let's halve it let's just say 15% Love for it. the next 5 years yep which is still good growth. Yeah, 15% for the next five years, you're doubling it. It takes it to 46 cents per share. Yes. If we say a price to earnings of 25, that means $11.50. But hold on, company share price today is $13.18. So if the growth slows and the multiple investors are willing to pay shrinks back to sort of more normal market conditions, then we actually lose money. Even though... Even though profits doubled, we'd lose money. And this is, I think investors too often forget this. They say, this company is going to grow really well for the next five years, so I'm buying. It's like, well, yes, but, but um, how much is the market already expecting that to grow? And how much is your, is your investment case dependent on the, the market sentiment towards this company remaining buoyant? You know, it's not, it's not that it, look, the PE could be 80 in five years time yeah. for all we know. It's your guess. You can't know. Yeah. Guessing a PE is like in a lot of ways, guessing a share price. You can't know. So we're not, we're not trying to sort of say, this is what the PE will be. We're trying to sort of say, what does the PE need to be? And if the PE needs to be 80, then it's just like, it's a precarious yeah. investment case because we, it, it might not be. In fact, it, it could grow very strong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 25, yeah. historically, <laughs> by historic standards, is, is still up. You know, the average PE is 15, a long-term uh, historical average for the market as, as a whole. Yeah, well, I didn't want to put 15 in there because then I'd be losing money regardless. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you, and what you might do, and I've done this a lot of times, is where I, you, I'm too conservative in my assumptions and I never buy the damn thing, right? And the, the Objective Corp is another good example of, of that. You sort of eyeballed that too closely and, you know, who assumed the PE was going to get to 60 when it, from 30? after going from 13 like that's a but it but it but it happened but you don't so you're not going to complain about it if it does happen like if, if you base your assumption on a PE of 25 and in five years time in the year 2028 it's on a PE of 35 you're not complaining right but at the same time you're not dependent on that sort of happening and now I've got some now I've got some um, I, some key indicators to look out for to say, is this sort of on track? So on that, do you have a sort of general number that you use? Like if I'm thinking five, 10 years out, what and PE, the, the multiple the, the market's willing to pay normalizers, do you have a standard number where you say this is what the normalized PE would be? N no, but I can do a few things. I can look at more established peers and industry averages you know, I can I can put the PE in the context of growth. So I would say in the case of net wealth, if, and these are just scenario tests, but if it does go up 15% per annum, and at that point in time, it still has a reasonable sort of growth prospect, I don't think anyone's going to accuse you of being yeah, overly yeah, yeah. Yeah. bullion of selecting 25, right? Maybe it is 15. I don't know. But it's not like, it's not like wow, really? That's the basis of your investment? The PE is going to nine? No, you've, I think you've chosen a reasonable number. So I, I couch it in all of those kinds of things. But again, I really want to underscore the, underscore the point is what I do is I do what you do. So I, I do it exactly the way you just outlined it. I go, here's a starting point. Mm. I'm going to start somewhere. My, my, my initial is extrapolate. Same PE, same growth. Okay, it looks like that. What if, what if the PE isn't as high? Okay, that looks like that. What if the earnings isn't as high? Okay, it looks like this. What if it's better? And then I actually, I developed this spread, right? 
and I discount them back to 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 what I um, to to the present value. So I just sort of maybe I want a ten percent return per year as a shareholder. So I just divide by one point one five times, and then I've got something to put the current share price in context. It'll it in in some cases you'll in a lot of cases you'll find that it sits at the lower end. In other words. Geez, even if the more conservative assumptions that I have play out, and I hope they can do better, but even if I'm still looking like a reasonable return here, but if, if it does do better than I think or does as well as some of my more ambitious forecasts think, then I, I, I tend to make – I, I stand to make some good money. And it comes back to my favorite word of asymmetry, right? That's what I want as an investor. Tails, okay, it wasn't that great. Heads, Ka-ching, you know, that, that's a, and I'll flip that coin all day long, even if I just keep making mistake after me. It's, it's, when, when it does work, and statistically it should work mm. reasonably well, it, it can be extraordinarily attractive. And I, I think, I just think it's such a sensible, easy way to, to, go, to go about it. Um, so let's say you do it, and let's say the next annual report comes out, and actually the growth just evaporated, and uh, some issues within the industry make the long-term story more um, unachievable, more difficult. I think at that point you just go, well, I mean, this is easy. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, you'll do everything in your power subconsciously to trick yourself. But it, but if you can be objective about it, go, well, it's broken. No harm, no fail. I expect to lose you know, a certain percent of the time. Dust yourself off and get the hell out rather than sort of, you know, rationalizing all the way, all, all the way down. But on the other hand, if it does start playing out, you may even find that well, maybe I can up some of these assumptions as well. It's a constant period, a process of refinement. What's the data telling you? Where does this fit in terms of where it needs to fit to justify the share price? It just, it's, it's not a, there's no such thing as a foolproof method, but now you're, you're making investment decisions on a much firmer footing than the company's going to be bigger in five years' time, right? Like it's, you're, doing, you're doing some really basic maths to sort of tie expectation of business performance to current share price value. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing. Like in our second scenario there, the company wasn't just bigger in five years time. It was double. The profit was double. And if the multiple went down, we lost money as investors. Yeah. 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 Yep. You see it. I'm trying to think. I can't believe I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there's a lot of examples of businesses that have actually done really well, but over multi-year periods, investors did really badly. And you can't blame the company for that, right? You have to blame the market because the market just overbid it. The classic example of that is Microsoft's lost decade. Actually, we think we talked about this on, on this podcast at one point mm, in time. Like yeah. It was a great example. Yeah. Absolutely nailed it. In 2000, I think Microsoft is going to go on to be one of the tech yeah. giants of the world. Yep, absolutely, you were right. Just, it just took you all decades for that to be sort of proven true because the, the, the multiples had captured so much of the upside. And the term is priced for perfection. In other words, you'll do well if everything goes to plan. And if it falls short on any one of those things... Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to do well. This is my criticism of things like the, not to put the boot in because they feel like easy targets, but like a wee bit nano or a brain chip. You know, the the the, the supporters get really carried away because it is big market potential and it really could grow fast. And they do have products. I mean, I'm not as cynical as a lot of investors there. My argument against them has always been, I think it's been validated in recent times, but I think has always been it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 but the market is expecting that and then some. So it's like, you're only going to do, you're only going to get alpha here to use the parlance to get the outperformance if it's even stronger than your already strong expectations or if the market is even more positively minded at, at that point in time, which is possible, 
this is coming back to stealth, right? This is the crux of my argument there. It's just a lot of like, we can plug in any number of scenarios, but it's only the extraordinarily bearish ones that lead to a loss. And some slight moves in the right direction lead to a decent gain. And that's asymmetry. And that, that's what I want. And so then I guess, because I was thinking like, what's the next step here in terms of like, you know, I've just plugged some numbers in and there's some pretty just round assumptions. What if we just continue what happened over the last five years or what if we halve it? Is the, is the next build here just becoming better at making those assumptions? Like have it, putting more data into the, into the model or into your brain and thinking, well, rather than just halving it, like what do we actually think will play out? Or is there any other like investing skills or anything else technically that we can add to this? Garbage in, garbage out is the old saying, right? So you, I think with time and experience, you will get better at, at making a guess. You can call it a forecast if you want, but it's a guess, <laughs> right? And, but I, I've, I've long been a very strong believer. You want to be roughly right as opposed to specifically wrong. You know, if this thing ends up growing at 18.4% per annum and you had forecasts of 20% per annum, it, it's, it's not going to lead to the exact return that you thought, but it's not going to be miles away, right? Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. probably a sensible investment. This is why I like it in terms of, as you said, applying revenue and margins. So revenue growth is, is something that's easier than, than bottom line growth because you, you don't need to think about the internal mechanics. Um, so it's a nice, easy place to start. And then I can look at margins and just say, what is reasonable? Again, there's a lot of examples in the market of like a company like this. Maybe it's like in the US. These markets tended, companies over the cycle tend to trade at about this kind, or they tend to get this kind of margin. If we were talking about Stealth Global and my assumption was they're getting to a 30%, like they're operating at like a, like a tech company, like that's a stupid assumption, right? An industrials company is never going to get to that. Well, very unlikely to get to, to, get, get to that. So I think it's, there are just basic sanity checks. And if, if, you, if you get to a conclusion that's just based on really, you're not, I'm, not, I'm not setting a high bar for this company to hurdle over. Um, uh, uh, again, you just put the odds in your favor. What I might do is actually, I might do a write up on our website because I'm mindful that talking about numbers on a podcast is sometimes a bit difficult to follow. So I'll put net wealth and ordinate into a blog post so people can read along. The work for me to go away and keep getting better at is to just, find more companies that I think are good and then apply this? Yeah. Is, is there yeah. any other anything else I should go away and work on? Honestly, I tend to encourage people to spend your time more as a student of business than as a student of investing uh, in the sense that if you want to have any kind of hope of coming up with reasonable forecasts, I mean, you, you need to understand the nature of businesses and, and you know, um, uh, engineering services firm has very different economics and very different characteristics to a REIT, to a industrials uh, supplier, uh, to a supermarket. They, they're all, they've all got their own characteristics. And I think as a student of business, what you want to learn is what, what is the economic machinery at play here? How do they, what are they selling? What kind of margins do they get relative to what their, their variable costs are there? What kind of cost base do they need to do it? How much of a, how big is the market? How much can they get you? And you just, you, you, you want to think about all of this stuff before you even look at the share, before you even know it, because mm. otherwise you really are just pulling numbers completely out of thin air and you need context for all of it. So when you find, I mean, start with some numbers if you must and things, wow, PE of four and they're growing at 
this. It's just like you want to then ask yourself, is this the kind of company that can do that? And I'll give you a very quick example where I think a lot of people went wrong back in the uh, mining boom was they took a lot of like the monodelphuses, lycopodiums, these engineering services companies got to very high valuations because they are businesses that have extreme operating leverage. They're really insanely profitable, growing like the clappers. It was just everything to like about it. But what what you realize is that actually these operate in very cyclical kind of industries and the operating leverage works in, in reverse in those times. You know, it's, it's not something that's going to have consistent demand across the cycle. So it just it, it sort of tempers some of those things just by understanding some of the characteristics and factors and natures of that industry. So, so look, look to the business, look at peers, look at how they tend to perform in good times and bad. Look for examples of where, where companies in this space blew up. Like there's lots of good examples of insurance companies blowing up. Like what, what went wrong in those situations? You know, they, they, they provide very useful uh, red flags that you can look out for in real time for, for current businesses. Because if a company is not going to perform, I mean, net wealth could be like the most ridiculously crap investment of all time. If their growth is going to turn around and, you know, they go from 30% per annum growth to like negative 5% very mm, quickly. So mm. you need to, you need to have a, a firm basis for those expectations. Yeah. Great. Well, I'll uh, take that away. I'll go and uh, do some more research. And when we talk next, uh, let's talk about some new companies. Yeah, man. I'm keen to follow up on Ordinate too, because that is an interesting company. I've, I've got a lot to say about that. Okay. All right. Well, let's, well, let's chat Ordinate next time. And then uh, at least one new one as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, Bryce. So there you go. Um, I actually enjoyed doing it and it wasn't as daunting as a discounted cash flow. Um, oh, you're daunted by them. Well, they are quite daunting, yeah, you know, open Excel, cell A1, <laughs> click into the cell, start putting numbers in. No, it's just something that it's not quite back of the envelope, mm. but it's, um, it's something that conceptually there are a few steps and, you know, you re- the, the, the challenge in a discounted cash flow or in this method is still how accurate are you forecasting the future of a company? Um, but once you've got that and then you're just sort of saying like what, is the market willing to would be, the market be willing to pay, mm. and then you're kind of done. Well, that's the whole point of this exercise, Ren, is to uh, to sharpen our skills. Mm. And um, so my I'm home- glad you're enjoying it. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so my homework is to do that again. Nice. And so next time I chat to Andrew, um, I'll have at least one more company, but maybe a couple. Maybe we dedicate a whole episode, Ren's Valuation Bonanza. Yeah, that, well, let's do one fun. together. I can give you a few forecast tips for, for a company. Nice. Forecasting's for fools, though. That's what I don't understand with this whole thing. Forecasting is for fools. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I mean, we say you can't predict the future, you can't forecast markets, but we, you do it for companies. It's a bit easier, I guess, with companies. But, but yeah, I guess like investing in individual stocks necessitates you forecasting yeah. the future. Yeah. And so if you can't you do it- You have to have an assumption. You take the index. If you, yeah, if you can't do it, you don't have to play that game, invest yeah. in individual stocks. Yeah. I guess this whole exercise is us saying, we think we can do it. The whole exercise Let's find is going to end up with us being like, long the index. Yeah. <laughs> I think someone on Reddit uh, ripped us at one stage and was like, equity mates, more like ETF mates. <laughs> nice. Ma- hey, that's good branding. That's Maybe good we branding. just do the hard pivot. I'm glad our messaging is coming through. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ren, um, enjoying the ride, but stick around because we're going to take a quick break and right after it, we hear from none other than Kathy Wood, one of the world's uh, most well-known, most famous investors at the moment. 
and uh, we take a clip, couple of clips from the You're In Good Company interview that is uh, live tomorrow, 27th of June, on the You're In Good Company feed. So make sure you check that out, but uh, we'll be right back straight after this. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to Equity Mates. We've just heard from Ren and uh, Andrew Page about Ren's mentor journey. And uh, we are now very excited to jump into a couple of uh, clips from the Kathy Wood interview over on your In Good Company podcast. So the first one is uh, Kathy Wood's view on artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence um, involving neural networks, we believe is going to be the biggest catalyst to innovation in history and uh, especially now. So if you go through big ideas, you'll see how we think it's going to become the biggest catalyst, how many other of the technologies it's going to activate and bring to life. Neural networks are patterned after the brain. And uh, so we are aiming out there for artificial general intelligence, machines, you know, outwitting man maybe, uh, but right now, right now, we like to think about it, uh, what's going on as augmented intelligence. This is going to lift us all up and make us all very productive, much more productive. So globally, throughout the world, there are 30 tri- tr- $32 trillion paid to knowledge workers. Uh, and we believe that the next big wave of automation, which is artificial intelligence, is going to take away those very boring, mundane, tedious jobs, pick and pack, pick and pack. But even uh, that that's on the light manufacturing side, but on the knowledge worker side, uh, the time to write grants here uh, uh, in universities, I mean, it can take months, three months to write a grant for uh, government funding. We are finding that uh, uh, with neural networks, artificial intelligence, that time collapses to potentially a few hours. Think about that, three months to a few hours. Anything that is rules-based and uh, neural networks are are powered by algorithms um, and algorithms are rules-based, right? So 
any knowledge work that's rules-based, meaning probably mundane, boring, <laughs> you know, paperwork. Agile accounting. <laughs> <laughs> um, legal is, uh, but again, it's going to, inc- to the ex- it'll displace a lot of paralegals. Uh, but to the extent people go to law school and enter the field, the job's going to be a lot more interesting because um, machines are going to handle the, the boring parts of the job. And that is going to allow us to leverage our intellect and creativity, depending on what the job is, uh, to advance um, the, the field even more. Uh, so... We think that this moment is the equivalent of the assembly line entering into the manufacturing space, the first automobiles. And that transformed, that created the, I mean, that really cemented the industrial revolution. Fascinating, but not super surprising view from Kathy Wood there. The scale of the automation that's going to happen, or might potentially happen, $32 trillion of knowledge workers that could be automated. Might be time for us to go pick up a trade (laughs) because I think finance podcasting is is not going to be a super sought after skill in the uh, in our coming AI futures. Um, but there were some really fascinating and surprising moments uh, from your and good company's interview with Kathy Wood, uh, including one where Kathy sees opportunities in colonoscopies. <laughs> where do we think? you know, as young retail investors, should we be putting our money or where do we think significant opportunity is going to occur? Yeah, it was interesting. We, we got a lot of press again for NVIDIA because the <laughs> press loves to uh, criticize. Yeah. So we own NVIDIA in most of our uh, uh, specialty funds, uh, but we've been taking it down for quite a while because its valuation skyrocketed relative to the other AI plays that uh, we think are, are pretty profound. NVIDIA is doing astonishing things. We got in at $5. It was a 5 to $10 billion market cap in 2014. And we've ridden it all the way up uh, in most of the funds. We took it out of flagship because flagship's very concentrated. And we see many other uh, much uh, less expensive AI plays. It still meets our 15% compound annual rate of return expectation, uh, but barely, whereas these others are now, again, our research could be wrong. Um, I always have to say that for compliance, (laughs) but, you know, these other names we think are 40-50% compound annual rate of return because they've been killed as NVIDIA has gone up. doesn't make any sense to us. To give you an example. Tesla. So NVIDIA is at 25 times sales, not earnings, sales. Okay. Tesla is at six times sales. Twilio, many people don't know the name, is at two times sales. Twilio, in terms of data, you know, the most important competitive advantage, once you've got a visionary leader, AI expertise and domain expertise, is proprietary data. And so you'll see every company in our portfolio is there 
at least in part, with an AI angle in mind. It is their data. Tesla has the new oil. (laughs) There you go. So that's right. And it's becoming even more true. Uh, that, that, That has been a saying for a little while, but it's ever more true now. Uh, so Tesla has more miles of real-world driving data than all of the auto companies and tech companies going after transportation in the world put together, um, and, and probably orders of magnitude more. And that's because it has 4 million-plus robots roaming around the world. I have two of them, a Model 3 and a Model Y. And they're collecting data every day, sending it back to Tesla saying, okay, here's a disengagement, something didn't go right, let's study that. And, you know, they're using AI in in a profound way that is going to uh, create autonomous uh, autonomous driving. Um, And they're going to launch nationally, uh, we believe, here in the United States, whereas most others are going city by city. Tesla thinks big. It's already mapped this out. And we believe that it will be the biggest beneficiary uh, in in the next five years, five five to ten years, from uh, autonomous driving. Autonomous driving revenues today are basically nothing. Uh, We believe by 2030 there'll be eight to ten trillion dollars globally, which if you want to size that, the U.S. economy uh, is roughly, it's approaching $25 trillion. So we think this is, this alone is going to be a $10 trillion global opportunity by 2030. And Tesla's leading that charge. We, we think, uh, Tesla certainly is in the U.S. China won't let Tesla lead that charge. It'll be some other company, but we can't identify it yet. That's how far behind, uh, most, most companies are. Um, and then we have other companies in, in the healthcare space, uh, exact sciences. You may know, do you know Cologuard? Cologuard advertised in Australia? Mm. Well, it is uh, a test for colorectal cancer, um, and it's a fecal test, so you have to send it in, and it's kind of <laughs> disgusting. But uh, it's turning to a liquid biopsy. It'll be a blood test. So. Uh, and so you have to go to the doctors for that. But um, just with a blood test, uh, uh, doctors will be able to tell whether uh, you ha- are in the early stage of many cancers, uh, including colorectal cancer. Um, so we think there will be a time where, unless you're just very high risk, you won't. We won't need to do colonoscopies. Uh, in the United States, when you turn 40. You, ha- you go for a colonoscopy every five years and the government will re- or insurance companies will reimburse and it's reaching down earlier and earlier into years. That's how powerful these tests are becoming. They can detect at the earliest stages of cancer. Well, wouldn't we like the company that's able to detect every stage of cancer uh, in stage one or before stage one, just learning how the genome is setting up for cancer. Yes, we would. 
So if you're interested in listening to the full episode with Kathy Wood, make sure, as we said, you're subscribed to Your Own Good Company. The first drops tomorrow and then there's a second part that will be released shortly afterwards. A huge congratulations to the girls for, uh, for securing Kathy on the show. She doesn't often do podcasts, so it's a very rare opportunity and uh, stoked that she gave the girls uh, the time. So massive congratulations to Maddie and Sophie. Make sure you're tuned in. But Ren, that brings us to the end. Next uh, episode, we sit down with uh, an expert from the US, Andrew Walker, who runs yet another value blog to get uh, his thoughts on value investing and how he how he's approaching the AI hype from a value point of view. Mm. So um, stay tuned. But as always, it's uh, great to chat stocks and markets. Ren, we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.